You're listening to The Contrary Beekeeper Show. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. And I'm James. Join us as we journey into beekeeping while we learn to be the change, one hive at a time. Welcome back, guys. We are polished and professional. <laughs> Gosh, we sound. <laughs> well, on the last show, we had a question oh, we're and answer. We're that. already in there. We're, we're in there, Dan. We're in the pocket. <laughs> we're show three into a day of recording. <sighs> so a little in, little inside to professional podcasting of uh, unprofessional amateurs is we try to record two or three shows each time we get together because while there's a, an enormous amount of podcasts out there, most podcasts that have multiple people on it, they just phone it in. And it's over the internet. And it's not face to face. It's not in person. Us being contrary beekeepers, for better or for worse, we make sure we get together in the same room. So I can stare deeply so into Greg's s- eyes. So I can stare into from your across the voice from across this table. Studio. So you mean we're not room. disconnected over phones and internet? And there's no delay. There's no. Uh, uh, no, you, no, you got. You got. There's. Uh, you're, you someone go ahead. just start no, you doing that in the middle of the show? Just, uh, uh, oh, did, did, see, I'm used to. Talking. I need to reset my connect. I'm used to talking to my friends through Facebook now. I mean, we don't. We don't. I mean, real life is only Facebook. So if you're if if you are a real person living in a real world, it's not official unless only, it's on Facebook. You only communicate through Facebook Messenger and maybe texting. I mean, Dan is an awesome uh, meme king. If you don't no, know, no, oh, we our buddy Dustin Thompson. Yeah, Dustin the, Thompson yeah. is the he's, king he is of the memes. He's the yeah. meme king. Oh my gosh, yes. I think we would all agree. Uh, we would all not be here sitting at this table talking about bees, if we hadn't actually put time into making real life connections face to face, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. Now what's important to recognize is that Facebook and social media can be an important starting point. But at the end of the day, if your Facebook friend unfriends you, you're not going to lose any sleep about it. But depends on the friend. I don't know. If it's a person you've actually met and shook their hand and broke bread and had a cup of coffee with, that's a little that's a much different of a relationship. And so I think when we're recording the podcast, we're just a bunch of dummies uh, making jokes on each other. I'm pretty uh, sure that's outside of the podcast too. That, that's what I mean. So I think yeah. that's fun to to be able to share that just what we normally do. I mean, there's there's so many inappropriate things lying on this table right now. Uh, it's what, just fun. What is it? What Thank is you, it, Dustin's Gregory? mom, by the way. Uh, Nunya. There's a bunch of nunyas. <laughs> N- a bunch of nunya beeswaxes. <laughs> you put it up here, you're a unicorn, Greg. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, Dan, you turn your phone off, vibrate there. It's, it's interrupting this podcast here. <laughs> so what is this podcast about today, by so, the way? Speaking of uh, hillbillies, uh, we, well, when, we did, when we did the bee run, uh, there's a fellow, Michael Gregory, who's bought bees, and he posted uh, a great question. Uh, and he asked, "What is you know? What's a, a year in the bee yard like? Like month to month? Like what? What? What's? What are you doing in the bee yard?" Uh, and I think it's an important. Uh, it's a super great question because uh, I think all three of us we have a little bit different goals in our bee yard. So we're gonna have we're gonna be doing different things different times of the year. So right up front, let's just talk about our our individual context, and then we'll just go through month to month, and we'll kind of just talk about what we all do. Jimbo, what what context do you kind of put yourself in as far as what you're what you do in your B yard and what your goal is? 
Uh, my context is trying to keep a few hives alive through the year. Okay. I'm not looking to sell my uh, bees, not looking to sell honey. I'm just looking to create some honey, create some bees, and go from there. So, okay. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of extra work like uh, someone who's either sidelining or commercial beekeeping. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I'm a lot more simpler when it comes to that aspect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I mean, I, I, it all comes down to context, right? Um, and at least that's great that you're honest because if you're not honest with yourself and what you're doing, you can't set up realistic expectations or goals. Yeah, this was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Dan, uh, I have a couple hives, couple more than Jimbo, and I just try to get a little bit of honey here and there to sell. And then uh, this year, we're trying to break into doing some uh, cut comb. So, not trying to overwhelm myself, but at the same time. Uh, I would say I'm a a larger backyard beekeeper. And are you selling to just kind of cover your pro, uh, your your cost, or are you selling to make profits? Uh, we're making a little bit of profit with it, so nothing outrageous though. Gregory, well, uh, I have a, just a couple more hives than Dan, and our goal and context is uh, we sell nukes and we sell queens, and then uh, we pull off very little honey for sale. Uh, but Susie likes to do a little bit of that. So our context and goal is that we have one of our farm enterprises is bees. So uh, we're not only does this need to be physically sustainable, meaning we have stock, we have bees to work with, but it has to be financially sustainable uh, to where on paper and in the bank account, uh, everything is balanced and aligned and we're, uh, we don't have an expensive hobby. It has to be profitable. Um, but we, you know, with everything we do on the farm, we have to do it in a way to where we try to work with nature as much as possible rather than against it uh, and do it in an ethical way with integrity. And so that's that's an important component, I think, of how it is that we go about raising our bees and selling that stock. So would you consider yourself a sideliner beekeeper or a commercial beekeeper? I would consider myself a beekeeper. Okay, fair enough. I, I think it's... Well, there's so many misconstrued definitions of all those words. There, and I, I don't know that it, it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. I like bees. Yeah. So, like, yeah. We're all that guy on that meme sitting on the the alone park bench where he goes to a party and no one wants you to talk about You just became bees. that person that reads memes on a radio show. I have, I have, <laughs> I have buddies that are just the most amazing meme men, and they just post these things all day long. And your phone is, like, constantly blowing up with, Bank just, memes just, left just and the right. Most family friendly, appropriate <laughs> memes any guy would ever see pop up on his phone. It's 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 great. Great for Sunday church. It's perfect. You've lost a few buddies along the way. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. There there definitely are many months and weeks that go by where the chat is on ignore. But hey, that's okay because we're still friends in real life. So that's our goal: uh, sell bees, sell nukes. So how we go about that is a little bit different. So you don't label yourself, and that's awesome. I th- well, I mean, when you know, everyone likes to have a label and a name sometimes, so they feel like they belong, or they can categorize themselves, or so they can compare themselves against somebody else. So they think is is successful. I think the, the best thing you can do is is lose the name commercial beekeeper, lose the name sideliner, because it doesn't matter. I'm just a dank honey producer. That's, that's it. my label. That's it, bro. Would you say just be you? Just beat it. Beat it. Everybody wants to beat it. What were those words? I didn't pick up on that. 
Billie Jean was not my lover. Well, on that note, you guys, guys see what thanks I deal for, with. Uh, <laughs> Great show. Yeah. Yeah. We're glad uh, you could. So, hear moving us. along now. All right. So, Greg, the B, the B calendar. Sometimes yes. there's this thing where, like, the normal uh, Roman calendar is it Roman or Greek? Greek Roman. Same I thing. thought it was Aztec. Aztec. The Aztec calendar. Brian, no, Mayan. Where's our calendar come from? The Incas. Walmart's. Uh, aliens. Anunnaki. Uh, mine aliens? came from Slack Sires. Little pictures of dairy oh, cows. Oh, you got free. You got the freebies because uh, you buy all it that. Wasn't, it wasn't free. Bull sperm. It wasn't free. Uh-huh. Had to do it a wasn't lot of free. Had to do a lot of punching to earn that one. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, uh, we're starting the new year off in January. But beekeepers tend to think of the year actually starting when packages arrive and pollen comes in. But let's use the January as the start date going through December. Uh, and let's just kind of run through the months and kind of what we do. Um, you know, in January, what what are you guys doing in your bee yard in January? Uh, right now, the most extreme thing I'm doing is playing Call of Duty. That's intense. It is. Save in the world at? one night at a time. Wow. Do you do it with friends on social in- in- internets? I actually do it with a couple other podcasters. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My kids do that too. Do you they? guys should like it together. And like, <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> well, if their dad would get him Xbox Live, then maybe we would. Their dad has a blazing hot 10 uh, megabytes a second internet. You have more than I do. Really? Yes. Hmm. And you can still do it? Yes. All righty then. So you're you're developing your gaming skills in January. Yes. But it, it is the off season that, for me. I was going to say, has, it, it, we, we joke on that, but it's... Yeah, so I have take other... some time for yourself. I have other hustles. I... uh Moderately okay with cows. I'm still at the dairy milking Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Uh, this year, I went with a buddy and we went to a uh, a specialized bovine school for a few nights to pick up some extra skills. Uh, Shoulders deep in the reproductive system of female cows is. We took a an nice artificial insemination course. So awesome. that was that was actually a lot of fun. Big commercial dairy. Did you guys uh, learn to collect the semen? No, just deposit. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. This is family friendly. Like, it, like Simpson family friendly, probably. That, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. yeah, it was January, so it was nice and cold out, but you always had one warm arm. So Take the time and learn. Get, get caught up on things that you think you might want to learn or do in the, the future. It's a good time of year to... Yeah, for sure. Jimbo? Uh, you know, it's just, you said it's that time of the year for me where, um, I'm more simplistic with my bee yard. I'm not running a business from, with my bees, so I don't have much to worry about. And it's, I, I kind of go with the Schrodinger's cat, you know, analogy with, at the bees at that point, they're both dead and alive until you check it. <laughs> <laughs> right. January here, uh, is actually kind of busy. Uh, it's where a lot of the fun stuff goes on a lot of um customer relations stuff email uh email things phone calls uh working on sales uh getting those kind of things uh, kind of tuned up uh ads you know when you're adding new things to the website getting those cleaned up you got orders coming in trying to keep all those ordered trying to keep planning for the rest of the year uh, and then i always like to do this thing where i pretend i'm going to build equipment in january so I'm not waiting in April to in May to. Build How's it. that go? 
Uh, it's not going so well right now. I haven't I, built a single box this year. Nice. I heard your workshop got cleaned up recently, though. My wonderful wife went on a treasure hunt because I needed a passload battery. And I, thought I it was told you where it was. Over there. It's yeah. in my garage and my charger, in your charger. Oh, so she has to come clean your garage now. No, no, you just got to, it's in there. You just got to dig a little bit to find it. Okay. Well, she got the whole workshop straightened up. I can walk in, I can see the floor. So I can get to work almost any time now. So that was pretty cool. So maybe I'll get to a center this year. That and that's what happens in this time of year is you need to yeah. get the workshop cleaned up, the wood shop cleaned up, get the bee yard cleaned up, get all the things in order. So when it's time to actually execute the plan, you're good to go. Dan just did this amazing stretch thing from across the table, and I thought he was doing like the Napoleon Dynamite uh, like butterfly dance thing. He's actually stretching, and I think it was subconscious. I'm not even sure you know he did it. This should be a video podcast. That would have been that would have been great. When are we going to do that one of these days? We should do that. We, we got, got a couple GoPros. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to have a YouTube channel for the Contrary Farmstead where we're sharing some of our bee stuff and homestead stuff. Yeah. So wait, we're going to go live like JRE? No, we can maybe give like the, that Dustin guy the exclusive on his channel to build up some drama. There you go. Do like one of those... Uh, Watch Dustin, parties? Yeah, like on Dustin Thompson's YouTube channel. Is that, of, is that it, at Simply Dusty? I don't think he he's at Simply Dusty's public yet. I think it's Dusty's dun- Dungeon. Or <laughs> oh, or is it Dusty's Dank Dungeon. <laughs> DDD. <laughs> Triple D. <laughs> so that's pretty much January. Is uh, Starting to keep ahead of the orders and sales. Because when you're selling bees, you got to get the orders early. To yeah. get everything lined up and in place for the rest of the year. Um, and so a lot of folks aren't thinking about buying bees in January uh, or December or February. They wait till the last minute when they are looking and seeing that they either have dead outs and they want to replace them. Or they're just getting started. They've just taken their bee class, which is usually like February, March. So um, that's what we're doing in like the first part of the year is all the the unfun. Uh, I love talking to people on the phone about bees, though. I do enjoy that part. Um, it's just a lot of work to constantly try to stay on top of emails and the early early yeah. orders and stuff. And then we kind of get into February. We start to get a couple of days of warm weather out of nowhere, and you start to get that feeling like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, extremely we're behind. There. And yeah. we're right here in February right now, uh, and it's just like, oh, man, now it's March, and it's going to be now what? What do you, Dan, what are you guys doing in about February? Uh, I am still call dutying it pretty hardcore in the evenings. Uh I kind of had that overwhelming, uh oh, we're getting kind of close. So uh, I took a couple, well, I took a couple hours actually out of my gaming one night and I made a hundred bucket pail feeders. There you go. So I sat on the couch and drilled the tent plug and watched Netflix and then went out to the garage and drilled the uh, lids. Did you watch any cool videos on how to build one gallon feeders? On <laughs> YouTube? A really annoying YouTube guy. Yeah. Yeah. His information was fantastic. I, I still think they need to recast that one. You a more handsome individual on the Contrary Farmstead YouTube channel if you they want to watch should. that video, don't they? Here you are, yeah. flannel. Likes flannel and suspenders. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. <laughs> Jimbo, what are you doing in February? Uh, so last February, I was uh, waiting for a couple of warm days to go check out my hives, and that's when I found out that all my hives were dead. Yep. And so I ended up getting the honey that was left that wasn't robbed and harvested all that. So pretty much nothing until like nothing gets done that month until you have warm days. Just to- February seems to be like a good point to where you decide what it is that you're actually doing. Like February for us, like this time uh, is a lot of refocusing 
like really doing put, putting the work into accurately reviewing your year prior and try to to do better capitalize on what you did right and then try to, to to be mindful of what you think you can do better on and start thinking about that and fleshing those ideas out and then you start to feel really behind in february and so i pretend i'm going to also build equipment yeah how's that go that's a great time to pretend. it's not gone so well i built equipment this February. yeah you're way ahead of that's me. that's a first I've, I've built some pail feeders and things like that for people that have bought them but i haven't built anything for myself so i'm a little bit behind on that so ref- so that's what we do is we start feeling behind start to refocus those goals so we can start to get things back in motion uh we follow up on some uh like there's usually at this time of year folks are again also starting to prepare for their own yard. so we're like focus redialing in on some opportunities um, you know, making up, making some follow-up calls and emails, uh, finding what we're going to do different in the yard, where we're going to find sugar, where we're going to get this equipment from. So it's kind of the off time to do the non-active bee yard stuff. And then we kind of get into March. What happens in March for you? Dandelions, uh, start to first show up. Uh, the maples are, have already just started to pop, uh, too. So we're starting to see, uh, the weather kind of changed, warm up. Um, March is really when that weather gets like that, where you get into like frantic mode. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm sure you guys probably yeah. do too. Cause you realize no matter how many more uh, like super intense uh, late night sessions of call of duty with your pals, well, this is you the, can't keep putting it off. You actually have to go out there and get that stuff done. This is the running joke with Christy and I, as she knows when the season begins is because I'll cancel my Xbox live membership. And I literally will not play Xbox at all until winter comes again. It's like, so this is the time where we really start to, put the action of mm-hmm. beekeeping in place. Yep. And we're building getting, frames, building boxes, getting on top of the workload that's coming, trying to realize frantically realizing what you're lacking. Right. And what you need to order quickly and try to find who's not sold out of it because right. everyone else is doing the same thing. Uh, it's about the time that I contact you and see what your child laborers are doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and see how many frames you need. Yeah. It's the, it's the time of year where it's, 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 you get that, you get that spring fever. You're assembling frames. We're putting in foundation. We're building boxes. We're building lids. We're building bottom boards. We're building those one gallon bucket feeders. You can see that how to on YouTube. Is there is there a video for these bucket feeders? There might I've, be a video for the bucket feeders. I've, I've, watch out for the host because he's eh. yeah he does what is told. That's yeah, all I'm saying. One thing we should mention though, it's the time of year where you're ordering all of your equipment. You're trying to plan. One thing you got to keep in mind is when you are pretending to be proactive by doing everything in March. You got to be really careful when you order your wax. If you're, if you're using wax foundation, you have to be very, very careful. Most of the companies won't ship it when it's going to be below freezing. Uh, because when that wax gets shipped cold and you get it back, it's in a million pieces broke up and brittle. I've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I probably have a hundred pounds of wax Mm -hmm. and boxes in the workshop that they didn't pack them. I tried to buy it in bulk. Yeah, and get in the heavier pound boxes, but they pack it different and they didn't do a real good job. And probably 30, 40% of everything in that box, I ordered so many to get the price break. 
they're all broken, brittle, cracked. So I end up having to cut those down into starter yep. strips and use them for something different because they're not going to work as full sheets. And I, I, anytime we do use wax, I'm a big fan of plastic, so I don't have to worry about that, and I can ship it year round. Yeah. Uh, if we do order wax, like for our cut comb and things like that, it's something you gotta that, be real careful with that because yes, you're using thin it's surplus. Yes. Yep. And then that's that wax will stay in the house if it's not getting used. It never goes out to the shop. Or with the rest of the bee stuff, I have a rack in the house just where I have some extra wax foundation. One thing I'm thinking about, I like to do, I wanted to do it this year. I don't know if I'm going to have the time or the money to do it, but I'm going to uh, buy uh, a wax press off the Fat Bee Man and start running my own wax. Yeah. Because I've got so much wax here. I mm-hmm. know where it's from. It's clean. I know what, it's, what it is. Uh, I know what it's not. And I'd like to be able to run it off myself and make my own full sheets. Um, I don't know that I'm going to get on to doing that this year. Um, maybe later on in the year and get ready and get educated from Don on how yeah. to do that correctly so I can do it the following year, start making my making my own wax. And then if folks do locally want small cell wax or whatever, they can. Uh, it'll be here and ready. Are you want to do normal size wax too? No, probably not. Nope. Sorry, Dan. You'll have to run your own. You use plastic anyways. Cut comb. Cut comb. What I can do, what you could do on the thin surplus though, is uh, on on some of those like Ross rounds, you can start put those uh, thin surplus uh, unembossed. I think mm-hmm. so. You could you could run you could dip as many of those as you want. That's that's pretty. Yeah, that's not too hard to do. So that's pretty much March is actually getting into all that uh, working on you know advertising, getting the last bit of uh, packages sold. Uh, you know, projecting how many nukes we're going to have available, how many are already pre-sold. It's always a weird game of projecting to make sure you have enough equipment to cover all the sales. Um, because it's, you know, once you learn how to make bees. Or, to, oh, yeah. Or it's just even the equipment you're going to need in the bee yard for out, throughout the year. That's a, it's, and, it's really hard. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're, we're still figuring out that uh, every year we do a little bit better. So we're going to, so that's, that's kind of March. Um, is is all that april comes around and april is prime time it is it is on and it's it's one of my favorite times of year it's a freak out time it's freak out yeah what are you guys doing in april going a million miles an hour and i get to go on the second anniversary of this greatest bee hole across the country Mm -hmm. yeah april is about when i started figuring out the uh oh shit you know i what was i supposed to do the last two months that i haven't because those bees are coming anywhere between now and the end of the month. When April uh, happens here, we're delivering the bees at the end of April. So you have literally two, three weeks ahead of time that is complete freak out mode. You're going a million miles an hour down a down a dead end street, it feels like, trying to get all those last things in place. Um, and so it's it's probably one of those most stressful months. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I tend to find more stress in the logistical side of beekeeping than the actual beekeeping itself and so that's that's the challenge it seems like april also i'm trying to get ready for spring flow that's coming so it's just making sure i have enough equipment built for all that and all my hives are looking good enough to actually start producing in april we're we're getting uh, any package bees established It'd be like the end of April. We're getting those off to a good start, getting those fed, yep. you know, mon- constantly monitoring the the weather, seeing what's going to happen, try to plan, um, you know, kind of accordingly. Also in April, once we are getting packages established, we do that for a couple of reasons is, 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 is to constantly bringing, bring some fresh stock in uh, uh, to the yard. 
What's also important thing that we do is we're we're evaluating all of our hives that have come through the winter. We're earmarking all the queens that have gone through and they're two or three years old maybe, or they're actually proven out year after year. We'll take we'll make start start grafting. Uh, and and looking for in that part of April, we're looking for queen cells. Right at the end of April is just about when we can start grafting. Uh, when we have enough pollen, and usually it's apple blossoms that we see on. Then we, we're, you can almost do no wrong in the bee yard. We can start uh, getting uh, the actual bee propagation like in full force. So we're making up uh, mating nukes. Uh, we're starting to get uh, a bunch of queen cells formed in our in our boxes. So. For us, the the end of April, mid-April to the end is where we really get busy on getting uh, a lot of our uh, queen rearing operation really established and in place. Because when May comes, May is spring flow. It splits. uh, It's trying to stay ahead. It's manipulating all the hives to keep them going in the direction that you've established in April and you've thought about doing in March and was the things that you said you were supposed to do in February that you never did. All that slack you're also trying to uh, tie up all at the same time um, in May. And then you've got honey. you got the honey flow starting to come in, and you've got all those things. And that, this is where you probably do something a little bit. Your goals in a beard might be different, Dan, in, in May than it is mine. What are you guys doing in May? Uh, May, we're, it's honey time. Yeah. So let's try to figure out how strong the hive is, uh, getting it ready to uh, – thank you, Gregory – you just put a big fat wad of skull in your mouth. Definitely not skull. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, getting ready for honey time. It's trying to judge how what size our hives are, uh, how many supers we need per hive, and uh, pushing forward from there. So, yeah, it's about the same lines as Dan at this point is seeing where I'm at at that point. Did did I have hives make it through the winter <clears throat> at that point and? Is there enough honey to take off of it without uh, putting them in danger at that point? So yeah, May and June is almost seems like one time frame um, for us because it's warm enough for the bees to get going, and it's nothing but heavy, heavy splits. Yeah, uh, heavy queen sales because everyone yep. everyone wants fresh queens, so we're we're um, we're getting uh, new queens uh, mated. Uh, and we're you know getting getting them established. We can check out their laying pattern, make sure that they're good to go. Doing a lot of uh, queen caging, queen shipping. Uh, we have a lot of nukes that are being picked up in the yard. So there's you know that time of year, it, there's usually people here almost all the time uh, picking up nukes. Um, and so that's that's a, it's fun uh, to be able to sit and chat and and also teach folks in the bee yard. It takes a lot of extra time uh, to do that, and so it's kind of hard to balance and plan all those things out, but it's something that we, we enjoy doing. So May and June are it's pretty much the same thing. A lot of splits, you know, one thing that we maybe didn't mention on is in like March and April, when we're starting to see what our winter survivability is, we're also doing our initial mite treatments too. Yeah. When it's warm enough out, when it's 50 is when we're starting to do a couple of salic treatments before they start really brooding up heavy. Yep. Um, just so we can, that helps them do way better uh, on on the honey hives or the the production hives on making bees is having them having them a healthy start uh, right out of the gate. I've seen a tremendous difference. Yeah. Um, when we get into to June, May and June, like I said, it's nothing but it's it's, it's brood season. It's going nuts. So when they're making a ton of brood and there's a lot of numbers, they're also bringing in a lot of nectar. And so that's a whole other management uh, aspect of 
uh, pulling some honey. Um, I got in a lot of trouble because I was supposed to keep X amount of hives set aside for Sue's for honey. And I got in one of my like tunnel vision, super intense moments and then broke down every single hive, split everything out. All the honey got divided on all the splits. Uh, and so how'd that go? Like a lead balloon. <laughs> not, not so good. Um, so she made sure she was out in the bee yard with me, uh, keeping me, uh, you know, tuned up. Cause I, I just, I get out there and I just go, 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 go. She's out there a lot of time with me, which is great. And she'll, you know, make sure I'm staying on point because it's easy for me to just like squirrel dog it. Yep. I'm going through there. Um, so she's, she's a great help out there uh, to help keep that all organized. When July comes around, we've gone through an entire season of heavy nuke sales. Queens are going out the door. You can do no wrong. And then when we get to the end of July, the first part or the end of June, first part of July, we get to these hot, dry patches and uh, things start to dry up. And it's like the brood faucet gets turned off. Yep. Um, and so for us here in Ohio, for me, when July 4th comes around, we got to be really cautious on how we split hives. If you're not selling bees, uh, you're just there's not much need for you to do any kind of splitting in July because you've made all your increases uh, April, May, and June, and you're getting those built up for whatever you want for the rest of the year. For us selling bees, we're still making splits. We're still making queens. We're still shipping queens. So how we go about that is a little bit different because we have a huge problem here in Ohio with hive beetles where I'm at. Um, and so when you're making those weaker splits, um, they're more they're more vulnerable to pests. So you got to kind of be on top of that game. Um, so for us, July is like to be really cautious uh, as you're making all those splits. The hive beetles are getting crazy. Uh, robbing starts to happen. And we're also have to start getting on our monitor, our mite monitoring game and see what are our mite loads and do yeah. we need to start treating? Because at that point, everything is kind of starting to get split out. We're getting ready for winter in July. Yep. Yeah. Christmas in July. That's that's what that, you have to. Yeah. You're getting everything set up. You're getting everything evaluated. Start to see which hives are going to, you know, double in size from July to September. Uh, so you can uh, plan accordingly. Get them, you know, let them build up before you split them back down and to consolidate into smaller hives for the for the rest of the year. Is that what do you, what that what do you guys have have going on in July when you're focused on honey for or just me, keeping bees alive? For me, July, that June July is trying to get that spring honey off, trying to get that spun out, uh, still leaving enough to try to get them through the dearth, uh, and then seeing if where we're at for our uh, summer flow. Uh, we're in kind of a unique area; it's really flat, but we have some pretty strong streams and. There's some good wetlands around it, so for us, the dirt doesn't hit us as hard, but it's there's still a noticeable change. So really for us, it's trying to just calculate what we should, hopefully what we want to see, but what reality brings us for a summer flow and where we sit for that. What about you, Jimbo? What's July look like? Uh, pretty much just I mean letting them letting them grow, uh, grow as much as they can at that point. Just build out time. Just build out, yeah. Yep. Pulling, you're you're at that point. You've already pretty much pulled some of your honey, and you're getting everything put back. All your empty uh, honey frames put back in yep. to get cleaned up. Yep. So they can start filling those back in for winter stores. Exactly. Or for, for fall, really. Yeah. And then if you don't take it in the fall, it'll be for the for the winter. We get into August. 
and we hit Darth at you know mid-August through the first part of September, it seems like. And for us, what I am trying to do better every year is stay on top of my pest management. Yeah. Because one it's one of the things where if it gets a, if it gets ahead, not only does it get away from you from one hive, but your entire bee yard can get out of control quick if you let it. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes it's not that you can't recover. Um, and so you end up just paying the price. So we're on top of making sure we're uh, trying to do those alcohol washes, see how many mites that we have. Uh, we're, we're trying to stay on top of the hive beetles for that. You know, we use uh, dry Swiffer sheets in the top of the hives yep. and also uh, beetle blasters. Uh, we usually use like diatomaceous earth in there. We can use olive oil, use something in there to help attract the beetles. The, the top secret ninja method that we've used, that's really great. We learned that from Don the Fat Bee Man, uh, where we take about a three-pound uh, can of Crisco and about a cup of diatomaceous earth and a little bit of food coloring. And use the food coloring, like Don says, you mix that up so you can actually see when everything's blended. We make like a, it's like a frosting is what it ends up being yeah. of, of Crisco and diatomaceous earth. And we'll put just a thin film of that on the bottom board. Uh, we use a solid bottom board. We put that in the corners and like in the middle. And, and what that does is the, um, and what put a little bit of uh, eucalyptus oil in there too. What it does is it attracts the hive beetles to the lard, to the fat. And then when they ingest that, they also ingest the diatomaceous earth and that cuts them up and dehydrates them and kills them. So that's what we, we, we that's part of our integrated pest management is, is the, that, I don't know what you call it, beetle paste, uh, the Swiffer sheets and the, the, the hive. Uh, I can fortunately say we, we have yet to see strong hive beetle pressure. So we've been very, very fortunate on that front. So, but we still have the same row issues and this is where we start monitoring. And my, my big lifesaver was getting that little bro easy check cup. Oh yeah. That's definitely changed. That, that is worth its weight. It takes the guesswork right out, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah has marking for two and 300 bees and all that and it it definitely has been a real game changer there's you no know, guessing and mm-hmm. and for one of those little gizmos and gadgets that they always say that that they always sell and push on people this is one of them that i absolutely love if, that, if monitoring is part of it that's 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 a good one to have can you find that on amazon prime i don't know yeah you can it's called varroa easy check it looks like a white bowl with a yellow cap yep right here 30 bucks on prime you can get it and buy tomorrow yep has a wash tub in there and uh there's a whole way uh that you can go about getting the bees uh into there you can shake off your uh you want you want want those young nurse bees off the brood frames shake those into like an empty lid or a box and then just scoop them right out you can also just take the container um when you know where your queen's at of course you want to make sure she's not anywhere near where you're working on those frames, you can just take the cup actually and just kind of scoop it up the side of the frame. Everything falls in. So mine's a little bit more different. I'll, I'll usually keep all my rubbing alcohol and my easy check and a five gallon bucket. And when that day comes, I'll take it all out there and I'll strategically place my rubbing alcohol bottles throughout the bee yard. So by the time one's emptying up, I have a full one next to me and I'll take a frame and check for the queen. If she's not on there, Shake it in the bucket and get a half cup measuring cup. Yep. And just scoop them out and drop them in the cup and spray yep. them down with rubbing alcohol. That's the cool thing about the basket in there is you've also you've got that line. And so no matter which way your method is, if you shake them into a lid or a box and scoop them out with a measuring cup, or you shake them into a box and use the cup itself as the measuring device, or you just drag that across the frame and don't do any of that, 
it's important to to, to recognize like wh- where you're going to see the, the 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 mites emerging is going to be typically either with the drones um, yep. or with the where where your actual uh, worker brood is where the, the cap cells are. Yeah. So if you go on those nurse bees, the, the nurse bees are going to be the ones typically that are going to have the hitchhikers on there as well. Yep. I think one of our next episodes we should talk about maybe doing integrated pest management would be a yeah, pretty for sure. good show. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, so I know some things might be changing in ours. Yep. So that's a uh, that's a great uh, to to monitor and and to treat is you know I, there's a lot of folks who are just hell bent on not treating uh, and I I understand that I appreciate that what I what I don't appreciate uh, is when folks um, what's the fancy uh, there's a fancy word for that I think it's called light bomb no there's a there's a thing you do. Uh, it's it's like one of these like psychological things or like social kind of things, um, where you are like projecting your values uh, when you communicate with folks by saying, "I only do this" or "This is the blah 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 blah." This is the way to do yeah, it. I, I can't think of what that's called. But I saw a lecture like that. Not yeah, that long but we ago. all know someone who's like that. Yeah, and it's 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 annoying. Like I like I get it. Like if you have treatment free bees or you don't treat your bees, like that's fantastic. But how you do or don't treat your bees does not define who you are as a person. Yeah. It does not define uh, your bee yard either. It's, it is, it is uh, a tool or a method uh, in a greater uh, aspect of it all. And so a lot of folks, uh, you know, I like to like to project those as somehow in, insinuating that what they're doing is better than the rest of the world. If they're not doing something different, if it works for you, that's fantastic. That's great. Uh, yeah, but like we've talked about, beekeeping is so hyper local and context uh, specific. Um, it gets to be a little bit, uh, a little bit challenging. So in August, we we are personally trying to stay stay a hold of uh, get ahead of the pest because September's coming, uh, and when the middle to end of September comes, we have fall flow. Yep. And so we're trying to get making best get flow of the year. Your favorite, your favorite. Now I noticed this goldenrod flow this year huge was not only was it massively prolific. But I think because it was so dry, like the flavor profile of the goldenrod potent was more butterscotchy than it yes. was Jim Saki this year. Oh no, I I think it's always delicious. Oh, I I'm, I would never. It's it's the most delicious honey, but the odor on it, it seems like it, it changes from year to year depending on how much moisture might be in the plant. Yeah, this year it was drier, and there's a lot more of it, and it seemed to be a little richer and more on the butterscotch side than on the, what it normally is, is like a gym sock, uh, kind of odor, but yeah, it's, it's, it crystallizes real, really quick. And is amazing if you're mixing that in teas and coffees and, and all that. But so we're trying to get ahead in, in August, make sure we're, we're ahead of our, our, our pest management so we can capitalize on the fall flow, make sure the bees are healthy. Yeah. They can bring all the nectar in because they're going to very soon start, transforming from uh the bees that live 40 days or 45 days to bees that are going to live through the winter yep. we're, we're starting to, to have some changes uh within the the autumnal equinox the lunar cycles sun cycles uh and the bees pick up yeah. on that and they make all those changes the days are shortening and you know yeah. exactly so and fall flow you guys you guys are probably doing the same thing or you're gonna you're pulling any uh, honey skinning it spun Yep. And then putting, pulling honey, getting it spun, and then now we're starting to assess hives to see where we're at. Yeah, see what hives we need to combine together to make them get them through the winter. Do you do, do, you do a lot of hive combining? Uh, I have done a couple. 
but not a super large amount. It, it has to be in pretty bad shape or pretty weak hive. Yeah. Uh, we've shaken a few out before in the past, but it's really to try to equalize all of them through the yard. Balancing so they, the hives. Yeah. What about you, Jimbo? Uh, for, you know, like September is just, yeah, we're just getting, you know, the excess honey that we can take, getting that spun. And, you know, at this point monitoring, you know, you know, starting to monitor which your situation is with, uh, the, you know, the mites and what kind of treatments you might want to do at this point. Yeah. Which for me was, I, I knew at that point I was going to do the mite away strips, uh, this past year. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, not the point where I can afford uh, to vaporize. So I wanted to go, you know, just, you know, try and at least, you know, try out this method, you know, just, you know, see and then compare it to, you know, doing vaporizing the next year. Right. Yeah. So for us, the big one, though, is still breaking them down into smaller hives since we have supers on things like that. Something more manageable for our bees to deal with over winter so they don't have a gigantic space to try to keep warm or a gigantic space pulling heat away from the cluster. So it's really it's that delicate dance of enough honey to get through but not enough or not too much to where it's going to overstress them. Right. And that's, that's what happens here in October, September is we're just getting out of Darth, uh, end of the fall flow. It lasted, I think three and a half weeks, almost the entire month this year. Yeah. It was a long, so we'll pull off any of that extra honey, get it spun out. But then we also put those frames back because there's still, the flow is still on. There's still some nectar coming in. Yeah. So we put those back, let them kind of fill up anything else that they're going to fill up. For for me, when October comes around, we're doing we're doing the last of the mite monitoring, and we're figuring out exactly what our pest plan is. If that was three weeks in a row of a salic, now that they're the 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 brood chambers are are, are are kind of consolidating, what we do in October, that's when we downsize. Is we'll take highs that we've built up, let them get big, small ones get big enough. We'll go ahead and break all those down, and then also make any of the last splits. So if we have a big hive that we do uh, break down into multiples. That's when we then go ahead and requeen also at that same time. So any of the last queens that we have in our queen castles, uh, we usually hold X amount back so we can put those queens uh, into like when we have boxes that are three or four boxes tall and they're eight framers or two, three, four, five frame boxes tall. We'll split those into several hives at that point in time and then and then use our freshly mated queens, put those back in the box. We'll also evaluate the queens. Any of the queens that aren't just aren't cutting it for whatever reason. They get requeened as well at that time of year in the fall, um, so they can uh, build the population to go up into the, the through fall into the winter time, um, and be successful. So we're cleaning up the last of the the fall flow, putting the frames back in, letting them continue to build out what they're going to do. We're monitoring for uh, mites and doing our last treatments because once November comes, we get into that new time where the hives are on their own. There's nothing that you're going to do yep. in November to really um, fix a broke hive. Yeah. But there's things that you can do in November as an insurance policy. And I think we've talked about that before. The mountain camp and with winter like, feeding. Yeah. Yep. If you're not familiar with winter feeding, you can go to the contrary farmstead YouTube channel and check out that video. Have you seen the winter protein patties? We just talked, I just talked, just talked about that with Don. I don't know enough about it to really look at like I, to see, but we don't, I don't do that at all. And it's just yeah. a perfect, perfect time to talk about winter feeding. Yeah. I, with how squirrely the weather is, like bees naturally go through attrition. Like yes. they'll, they'll, they will build up a hive, and then if it gets cold, they pull out the larva. If it gets, if it, if the brood gets chilled, yeah, you know they'll go through that. They'll almost test the weather themselves. 
once they have enough protein coming in to start seeing if they can build and they're, they're okay with having some losses. But with my, my concern is if you're adding protein too early, but it's, that's what it is. It's these winner, these winner formulas is what I'm the very, very little I've read into it is it's a super low pro, uh, protein count. Yeah. But it's a very high sugar. So it's just barely enough protein to get them through, but it's more of like a fondant. Yeah. I don't personally. I've never used I really hate, protein. Patties. I hate having to use dry sugar at all. Yeah. But it literally has been a game changer in overwintering to where it makes sense to do it. Yeah. It, it costs very little. It's fast to do. If I was buying like bulk fondant, you know, if the, the, the only reason I don't, the, why fondant isn't for me right now is I like the dry sugar because it's, it's a desiccant. Yeah. It absorbs any extra moisture too. I'm afraid of putting too much protein in at the wrong time of the year because I don't want to, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Entice or exasperate any of that natural attrition in the hive. Yes. And, and I don't want them to, to waste any time of resources on brood that are going to get chilled and then pull out anyways. And also I think guys do that who are keeping three, four, five, ten 10 frame deep boxes. Yeah. It's a different approach. Oh yeah. Like for me, when I'm, I'm keeping very, I'm downsizing everything into single mediums, double mediums, single mm-hmm. deeps. I'm downsizing. So I don't want them to, to brood up. Yeah. And I've, and I've noticed that, I've seen winter fondant being used on both sides of the spectrum now with larger people and some content creators using them more up north and using that. And uh, I've seen a couple now in a little bit more southern climates than Ohio. Definitely not like Georgia south, but uh, like Kentucky, Tennessee area. It's one of those things where you have folks that are wrapping hives and using... uh, quilting boxes and putting fondant on in zone 6b i don't know what that is like warm like okay. below like that's out as completely out of context but because they see someone that is doing it successfully yeah it's one of those matters of context right it what happens here like in ohio with these warm wet winters if you completely wrap a hive and there's no ventilation you can have you could have serious problems, especially with black paper. Yeah, of the hive heating up too quick, the bees breaking cluster, and then when it drops down to twenty or below freezing that night, <laughs> that night they're broke out of cluster because they were uh, the hive was was heated. They were trying to cool down. Yeah, yeah, artificially from from that black paper. There's a million different ways to do it. I, I think if if you're looking, if folks listening are looking at ways to winter their hives. Find somebody local who has this, has similar goals and see who is successful doing it. Whatever you do, don't start picking and pulling from uh, from Canada or from Wyoming or from Texas or from Vermont or Arizona and mix it all together with some special recipe that you think New is going to be awesome. New Mexico has the secrets. New Mexico has the secrets. That's called it's, no snow. Well, no, it's the you know, aliens. It's the aliens. Would be, how, I mean, Florida is, is seeming like, man, how nice would that be? No snow, brewed year-round. Fresh orange juice. And fresh orange juice. But, man, you know, you know so, so, that's the thing, though. Like, you can go online and take one of those online courses from somebody who says they have all the answers to overwintering or whatever that might be. And 
that's their context. That's where they're at with things. So you listen to where they're at with with, but you're not listening to where you're at. Yeah, and it's it's very big on you. Got to find that person local to you that has done it for multiple years and has been able to crack your local code. So, like we've always said it, like you have to understand why. Not only do that, you have to understand why are you taking those notes that are necessary. Maybe they are. If they're necessary, why are they, why are they necessary? Yeah. Why are you wintering this certain way? Why are you going to put this wrap on? Why does that work for the folks that think that they need it? Yeah. Once you understand that, then does that apply to you in your context? The issue is sometimes we don't understand our context as beginning beekeepers. We don't know all the all the details and when the flows are on, what kind of pollen is available, what kind of nectar is coming in, what time of year does that happen, what's the weather looking like, because we haven't had the experience of doing that. Yeah. So find somebody locally who does know that, who's willing to share that with you to see, does this does this actually fit the correct context? And then kind of go from there. In November, that's what we're doing. We're putting on dry sugar. We're getting uh, our hives kind of consolidated, broken down into smaller hives. Yep. In October, we've already kind of requeened at the last at the last you know possible time. Everything's building up uh, into a size colony that works for our context that we can yeah. that we can winter in. See, for us now, like October, that's our that's our final time to go through. Is everything yep. equalized and Yep. By mid October, I want the bee yard to be ready for winter. Halloween seems like to be that's yes because be if something done. does arise last minute, I might have time to take care of it. But I I like that little buffer of space. Excellent, yeah. So that's that's my big goal is to try to get things done a little bit early. So October is like the finish up with getting everything cleaned up, uh, get, get all your your honey supers cleaned up, get the honey spun, get ahead of the mites. Start to get everything downsized. November, you're finishing up the last of the downsizing. You know, you might you might have some early dead outs. You're getting those cleaned up, getting your boxes cleaned up, stacked yep. up, getting those ready. And for me, I was finishing my treatments in November. Yep. Doing your last last of the treatments. That's you know, and, and no, no, by by I'll, I'll, by Thanksgiving, I like to have my dry sugar on. I've been fooling around with clustering the hives for heat sinks. We've talked about that yeah. before. That's probably going to change. Um, so that's kind of november is putting everything to bed come yep. december i mean november i'm counting my equipment and seeing what i have what i don't have what like survived the season hibernation mode yeah and then for us december is the beginning of the year that's oh. when we're starting to putting the bees on sale offering early bird discounts yep. starting everything all over again See, now the end of november is when i get my xbox live membership when you get back. It back and dance pew pew Yep, I'm starting to get schooled Q-Q by those Dan. little kids on Call of Duty, and <laughs> did, did they like? Did they go like, "Ha hey, hey, ha, Daniel sucks." Pretty much. So, what's, <laughs> give it a few weeks, and then I'll start. I'll start being start good again, them. and then yeah. What's your call sign? Does he want to actually play it? No, no. For the dirty Dan, for the popularity of the podcast, what little of it. People don't need to meet Call of Duty Dan. Oh, he's he's vile. I'm sure he's vile and highly inappropriate. <laughs> Well, I hope that was a a pretty decent snapshot. I know we kind of there's a lot to kind of talk about. There's oh, yes. so many different nuances within every single month, every single action. But that kind of paints the picture of you're always behind. You're always pretending you're going to get ahead. Uh, and it's the, the, I think the name of the game is not getting behind. Yes, you're never ahead, but just don't get behind. 
Because if you get behind, it's very difficult to catch back up. Whether it's yeah. pests, getting behind on boxes, yes, you're getting behind on, on how far along your your, your bees are and, and putting on queen cells. Like we touched on in the last episode, a few minutes here saves a lot of time. Yep, there. try to put the work oh, yeah. in when, and dedicate time to do it. And like for us, we're we're really close to Amish country, and I've been seeing now that there's a few Amish folk actually selling boxes, and so that's one of the things I'm looking into is. What's the price point difference between me making my own boxes with probably the same rough cut lumber as they have access to versus getting everything rough cut lumber is a great way uh, to save you some money. Uh, Keep your eye out on the contrary farmstead YouTube because there will be a brand spanking new how to build your own beehive videos coming out brand spanking new. Will there be flannel involved? There will be lots of flannel. There will be music. And there will be lots of uh, probably some hillbilly banjo music. It's a great way to make. It's a great way to to, to save you some money. It's uh, a, not a great way to save you some time. Uh, but when yep. you're in that tricky balance of how much time versus money do I have, and that's it's, the game it's an playing. option. And yeah. I think I think it's really important for folks when you're first getting started, if you can, build you some equipment because once once you learn how to build your equipment, the sky is the limit. You can oh, adapt. You can change. You can do anything that you want to do in your bee yard. Because you're not beholden to date it to ship you whatever that thing is that you think you need yeah. and don't have. You go out to the wood shop, you you need it right then and there, you go make it, you put it in place. Like That's huge. I think that's yeah. important. And then if you get to the point where you don't have enough time to make them, then you can start ordering things in bulk and slap them together and doing what you have to do. But that'd probably be a fun show is um, the kind of, I know we already have one, what episode, Hive Basics, uh, we have a Hive Equipment show yeah. early on in there. Check that out if you want to learn more about uh, all the equipment that we use. The only thing different from then to now is we've all pretty much gone uh, to one-gallon bucket feeders instead of uh, mason jars. But yep, yep. things will always continue to change, and uh, that's it. Yeah, that's right. a, that's That is a year in the bee yard of the contrary beekeepers. Yep. Wow. That was intense. It sounds so much simpler when we lay it out like this. It's it sounds so simple, and there's uh, there's no like uh, bees crawling up your pant legs and getting into your nether regions and pretending that that bee's not in your nostril, so it stays calm and flies out. And is that what oh. the is that what the waggle dance is? That's what the waggle dance. Oh man, you get a waggle dance up your nose hole. <sighs> Woo! The emotional highs and lows. The emotional highs and lows. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. Thanks again for listening. If you are interested in Ohio adapted uh, fat bee man nukes or Ohio adapted fat bee man queens, you can visit naturesimagefarm.com. If you are building your own bucket feeders and you need those little pesky plugs, you can also get those at naturesimagefarm.com. We'd be happy to sell you bees, plugs, coffee cups, slap bracelets, pogs. Pogs? Yeah. Yeah, man. Dan has pogs. I you, got, you got slammers on there, too? The best See, you know what that's all about. I got the best slammer on the block, man. <laughs> we are so uncool. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening. We appreciate all the likes. Uh, and when you share the podcast to all of your non-beekeeping friends and make them uncomfortable, yes. we love that just as much as you do. If you want to find us, we're always on Facebook. Where are we? Where can you find us at, Dan? Contrary Beekeeper Show. You can find that on Facebook. You yeah. can find that on uh, Fireside FM is a is the podcast player. Yep. Big announcement. You can also find us on iHeartRadio. 
We're on iHeartRadio. Oh God. Which I mean, I think you, I think you can use like Alexa or Siri and ask for you to play. I think it does that. Like if you say like, "Hey Alexa," really loud. You say, "Hey Alexa, play the Contrary Beekeeper Show." She'll say, "I'm sorry, I don't know who they are." Oh. Did you hear Alexa? I did. She's in the background in the kitchen. Now, now, what if you say like, "Hey Siri, play the Contrary Beekeeper Show." I. I don't have every wiretap known to man available. Oh, I still have Hey Siri on my phone, and I'm surprised she didn't go off. I have Alexis. She doesn't know I your voice. Have series. Uh, I have the series turned off. Yeah. All right. Well, thank on you that guys. note, yes, thank you. Enjoy everyone. your privacy, folks, yes. and your liberty, <laughs> and your non-wiretapped environments. <laughs> we'll see you guys. Oh, as always, are we recording? Is this thing on? Be the change. Oh, be the lighthouse. One hive at a time. There you go. We'll see you guys. Hey, that'll work. <laughs> How about that?